Mark chapter number 6. Mark chapter number 6, and we're just continuing right along. And uh, last week we were actually in verse number 30 through verse 34, but then I had a thought last week where I'm going to tie last week and this all together still, so we're going to go back to verse 30, and we're going to go through verse 44 today. When, uh, when Ronald Reagan was president, he told a story often. The story that he told was about two brothers. One was incredibly optimistic, and the other was profoundly pessimistic. And as the story goes, the boy's parents took them to a psychiatrist to see if they could learn better emotional balance. The psychiatrist placed the pessimistic son in a room full of toys, and instead of playing with those toys, the boy cried out. The boy just cried and sat there. When asked what was wrong, he said, if I play with these toys, they'll probably just break and be ruined. And that was how it went for the pessimistic son. So next, the psychiatrist placed the optimistic son in a room that was full of manure from floor to ceiling. To his surprise, the boy grinned and began to dig through the manure with his bare hands. The boy's parents cry out, son, what in the world are you doing? The boy said, dad, with this much manure, there's just got to be a pony in here somewhere. How we view circumstances in our lives greatly influences what we make of our lives. Jesus, the Son of God, viewed things correctly. The disciples in this passage that we're going to dive into deeper today, did not they view things how we view things. And so sometimes we might look at the disciples and be a little hard on them, but it would be the same for us, if not worse, if we're being honest. But as we look today and as we dive into the message today, something that's very interesting. The feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle of Jesus that is mentioned in all four Gospels. Some miracles are mentioned in some, not in all, but the feeding of the 5,000 is mentioned in all four. That means that there's something very important, some lessons that the Lord wants us to learn to give us a miracle four different times. So there's lessons that we can learn from this, and we're going to apply those today. But last week I made a statement, and that statement just stuck in my head all week long, that we got to get to the point in our lives where we view life through Jesus' eyes. I think of that old song. I don't remember what the title of the song is, but the words go like this. Let me see this world, dear Lord, as though I were looking through your eyes. A world of men who don't want you, Lord, but for a world for which you died. Let me kneel with you in the garden, blur my eyes with tears of agony, for if once I could see this world the way you see, I just know I'd serve you more faithfully. The second verse goes, let me see this world, dear Lord, through your eyes when men mock your holy name. When they beat you and spat upon you, Lord, let me love them as you love them just the same. Let me stand high above my petty problems and grieve for men hell-bound eternally. For if once I could see this world the way you see, I just know I'd serve you more faithfully. For a few minutes this morning, I want to talk about viewing life through Jesus' eyes. We're going to see some things today, and we'll agree that most of the things the disciples saw 
makes sense. But if we view life that way, that's not going to help us go further for the Lord. We got to get a hold of viewing life the way he would have us. Getting a heavenly perspective on things. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Mark 6, verse number 30. The Bible says, Mark's, I'm in John 12, that's not the right place. Here we go. John 12 is a good spot too, but it's not Mark 6. Mark 6, verse 30. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had, been, had taught. And he said to them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him. They saw that Jesus was on that boat, many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and outwent them and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about, and into the villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred pennyworths of bread, and give them to eat? He said unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they said, Five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and brake the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments of the fishes and they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. Now, if any of those men were married in any families, you could have possibly anywhere in this crowd, anywhere from 5,000 to 20,000, anywhere in between. This is a major group of people. And we see some crazy things take place. We see the disciples see a bunch of obstacles, Lots of problems. And we see Jesus be like, we'll be all right. It's a difference of perspective. I want to talk about that this morning. As we look at this, and we go back to review, the disciples had just gone out and preached all over the place, sharing the gospel. They healed people. And they came back and they were telling Jesus about all the great testimonies of everything that had taken place. And so Jesus tells them, and People were coming and going. They were ministering all the time. And the Lord just said, hey, we're going to get away for a little bit. We're going to go on vacation. How many of you like vacation? I think everybody likes vacation. Sometimes with kids, though, you need a vacation from a vacation, right? And that's just sometimes how that works. But we all like vacation. So imagine, so think about this. Jesus and the disciples get on the boat. It's not a power boat. The wind probably isn't blowing very hard, and they're just sailing to the other side, going to get away privately for a little bit. The people see Jesus in the boat, and they follow along shore and walk around to the other side. So when 
Jesus gets to the other side where he's going. There's people waiting there for him. He was leaving for vacation with the disciples, and the people are waiting right there. Imagine going on vacation, and you get to your hotel, and your coworkers and customers are in the lobby waiting there to talk to you. How many of you would just be just enthusiastic and happy to see your customers and coworkers waiting right there for you? No. Would you, would you be a little irritated? I think you'd be a little irritated. No, I forgot. We got good Christians in the room. You would never be irritated at all. I get that. I would be irritated. I'm not as good of a Christian as some of you in this room. As we look at this and we think about this, when Jesus saw this crowd, he saw them completely different than the disciples did. Viewing life through Jesus' eyes, number one, Jesus saw the people, not the problems. Jesus saw the people, not the problems. We read those verses, and you see in those verses there, let's read verse 35 and 36 just to tie it all together right here. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have, enough for they have nothing to eat. Jesus, when he gets off the boat and he sees all these people, what does he do? Letter A, we see that Jesus saw people with needs. He saw people with needs. He saw this group of people as people not having a shepherd, the scripture says right here. He saw the needs of these people and he was moved with compassion. Which means that more than his leisure time that he was going to have, he was moved to do something for these people because he saw a need in these people. But when we look at this passage, we see letter B that the disciples saw problems that needed to go away. In verse 36, the disciples say, send them away. Let them go get food for themselves. Because you think about it, Jesus and the disciples were trying to get away. These people were probably were not thinking very well. They didn't pack a lunch. They didn't bring food with them. They saw Jesus was going somewhere. They knew where he was going, and they were going to be there. They were sheep needing a shepherd. They needed the shepherd to tell them to bring a lunch, but they were needy people. But you see how as we look at the scriptures right here, as we see these things, we see the fact that Jesus was moved with compassion. He had a consuming pity. He felt deeply for these people. Why? Because he saw people with needs not just problems what a lesson that is for us today if you just look at people as problems that gets tiresome and don't get me wrong people are full of problems i got problems we all got how many of you got problems everybody's got problems if you're not raising your hand you got problems you're gonna have some by tonight we all have problems that's how life goes but if you're helping people, ministering to people, and instead of seeing people and the needs that they have, and all you see is problems, it grows to irritate you more than to have compassion. An example, we got a few teachers in the room. There are problem children that you have in class, correct? There are. There are. You have problem kids at times. But do you know, most of the time, a child that has major problems has a deep need inside that needs to be filled. But what happens sometimes is 
you keep dealing with the problem, 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 and you just get annoyed, 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 and you forget about the need. We see people as problems, not as people that have needs and burdens that need help. If we could just see people the way Jesus sees them. This is the problem we have in Christianity today. We are losing compassion for people. There's a lot of apathy in Christians today. And I believe the problem is because we see people and their problems, not that people have. Because below the problem, a bunch of needs. And Jesus saw these people, and he saw the needs that they had, passion, and he did something about it. See, number one this morning, Jesus saw the people, not just the problems. Number two, Jesus saw the opportunities, not the obstacles. Jesus saw the opportunities, not the obstacles. And you're thinking to yourself, Man, Pastor, you're already on point number two. This is a short sermon. Last service, we actually got out an hour and four minutes after the service started. That's really good. So don't hold your breath, but it could happen today, okay? If you pay attention well, it could happen. It all depends on how well you pay attention this morning. But Jesus saw the opportunities, not the obstacles. Look at verse 36. Look at what it says here. It says, send them away that they may go into the country villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said to them, Give ye them to eat. And they said to him, How shall we go and buy 200 Give them to eat? He said unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see when they said five and two. You see, time passes by and the crowd gets hungry. You think I'm a long-winded preacher at times? I think Jesus was long-winded. The people were hungry. And as we look here, you think about this. If there were 5,000 men... Let's just, say, let's just say it was a group of 5,000, or it could have been up to 20,000. Anywhere in between. Let's just say it was 5,000. Let's keep it simple. 5,000 people, and uh, let's feed them. Did they have a local McDonald's they could go to? No, but could I go into McDonald's today? How long would it take if I said, hey, I got a church of 60, 70 people this morning. I need Big Macs for everybody. We'd be waiting till tomorrow for McDonald's to get that to us. And that's what they're making 15 an hour. But anyways, we don't want to go any further on that thought. But you couldn't get fast food that quick. Imagine I go into Stater Brothers and say, hey, I need fried chicken for 1,000 people right now. You got that? And that's the disciples are looking at this thing. And they're looking, and look at what they say. Look at there in verse number 13. Send them away. Let them go into the villages. Let them go find food for themselves. And he says, give them to eat. And then their response is, shall we go and buy 200 penny worths of bread? And I'm not a scholar, but scholars say that that 200 penny worths of bread was the equivalent of a year's wages for the average laborer. Even if they had all that money, it wouldn't have been enough. And even if they had enough money for food, there was no place to get the food to feed them anyways. So we look at that, and humanly speaking, what in the world do we do? We can't feed them. So the disciples are thinking logically, right? Let them, they came, let them go get food for themselves. We would see there's obstacles. Hey, in ministry, there are a lot of obstacles that come our way. It's a part of it. But Jesus took the obstacles and made and saw opportunities out of them. And when we look here, Jesus says, let's feed them. What do we have to work with? They go and they search, and they find a young man with five loaves, 
the book of John says they were barley loaves, so it was poor men's bread, and two fishes. Now, we don't know how young this young guy was. You know, a junior hire. Junior hires can eat a lot, and high school boys can eat a lot, too. But it was a so maybe this was enough for him to fill himself up. But that's the only lunch that was there. Five small loaves and two fishes. That's it. I don't think you could feed ten people with that. Five? And you've got 5,000 plus waiting for food. That's quite a tough task. Quite the task ahead of them. As we look at this, Jesus didn't have much to work with. But you know, that's what's so great about our Savior. He doesn't much to work with. He doesn't. And your next point in there, and those of you English majors there, it says letter A. It shouldn't say letter A in your notes because if you have an A, you've got to have a B. I know that, okay? There's supposed to be just a little asterisk there because I didn't have a letter B. So I just put a little asterisk, but it ended up being letter A in the notes there. But this is what we get as we look here. To see things like Jesus, we must look to his sufficiency. You know, I think Jesus was wanting the disciples to say, Hey, look at all you've done already. Look at the people you've healed. You could provide. And he can. You might look at a situation, and, and when we look at these things, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. And as we look at this here, if we, Jesus didn't have much to work with, but you can have little, and little is much when God's in it. Isn't that what the song says? And there might not be much, but when you've got God in on it, great things can happen. Because what happens is, you're dependent on Him. He's enough. Man, in this situation, five loaves, two fishes, that's an obstacle. But you got the Son of God right there with you. The one who spoke the world into existence. The one who's been from the beginning and will always be. The one who's going to come and conquer this world someday. They had all that they needed right there. Just like they were on the boat a couple chapters ago. Master, don't you care that we perish? He was right there. He's more than capable. He's more than able. When we think about that, we'll never accomplish what God has for us if you can't look at obstacles as opportunities. And there are obstacles that come all the time. But you've got to look at it as an obstacle as, how is God going to work this one out this time? Because he always works it out. He knows what he's doing. You can trust him today. He is sufficient. You know, you look at the disciples here. We don't have enough money. There's not enough food. Send the people away. What's Jesus' response? Not enough money, not enough food. That's perfect. I got this. I'll take care of it. We see number one, as we're looking at this text here today, we see that Jesus saw the people, not the problems. Number two, Jesus saw the opportunities, not the obstacles. Number three, Jesus saw the quality and not the quantity. Verse 39 
says, And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves disciples to set before them and the two fishes divided he among them five loaves and two fishes that's not much of an offering is it not much of a lunch but do you know what Jesus was looking at it wasn't about the quantity this boy gave all he had for the master to use This boy was willing to give all and sacrifice. Reminds me of the widow and her two mites. Luke chapter 21, verse number 2 through 4, it says, And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said of a truth, I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offering of God. But she of her penury hath cast in all the living that she had. Letter A, as we talk about Jesus, saw the not the quantity, we see that this lad all that he had to God. Say, well, five little loaves of bread and two fishes, that's not much. When that's all you got, that's a lot. I mean, he could have had a nice little lunch for himself, but he said, no, I'll let the master use this lunch. We don't even know the boy's name. We don't know the widow's name. But it made an imprint on the Savior. And sometimes we'll look, oh, someone gives big chunks of money for something. Oh, well, look at that. God's got to be super pleased. And God's like, they're giving out of their abundance. And someone puts a $5 bill on the plate because literally that's all they have. And God's like, wow, that impresses me. Because it's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. You see letter B as we're diving deeper into this. That Christ evaluates our gifts not by how much we give, but by how much we keep. Sometimes we hesitate to give our all because we wonder if it will really make an impact. But let me just tell you, those five loaves and two fishes made a big impact here. Little is much when God's in it. It's not about you and I, but it's about giving God what we have and letting him work with it because he works in it. What does the Bible tell us in 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 7? But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. You do not know what God could do if you just give him your all. Say, God, I'm not much. Can't even fix a leaky toilet. God can use you. God will use you. It's not about quantity. It's about the quality. What a great lesson that is for all of us. Because humanly speaking, we look at quantity and we're like, that's impressive. God's like, that doesn't mean anything. They have it. That means that doesn't mean much. That one who doesn't and gave that, that's impressive. Because I don't know if you've realized, God sees things differently than this world sees things. But it would do us good to see things the way God does. 
we look at our text today, we've seen, number one today, that Jesus saw people, not problems. Jesus saw the opportunities and not obstacles. Number three, Jesus saw the quality and not the quantity. And number four, Jesus saw the truth, not the tension. Say, what do you mean? The book of Mark doesn't go into great detail about all that happens here, but because we have all of this in the four Gospels, we see the truth that was presented here out of this passage. And so read verse 41 here with me. It says, And when he take the loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them, and they did all eat and were filled. Isn't it, just look at that. That's amazing to me. Five loaves and two fishes, 5,000 plus people. They not only were, were given food, they were filled. That would be one thing for me to say in this room today. Hey, I got a piece of bread. Everyone gets a little piece. No, they were filled. They were full. And it says, And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of fishes, and they that did eat of the loaves were about five thousand men. And, you know, people have different opinions. Who took, the, who took the bread home? Who took those twelve baskets? Well, there's twelve disciples. Maybe they did. Maybe the Lord gave it back to the little boy. And when you give your all to the Lord, he blesses that. There's lots of different thoughts there, but we, we'll stay off of that. We finish up here this morning. But as we look here and we talk about the truth and not the tension, Jesus isn't concerned with improbable servants or impossible situations. He takes what he's given and, and gives God the glory for it. We see he takes the bread and breaks it. That's where, we get, where he blesses it. That's where we get the word eulogy from. It means to pray over to seek God's blessing. And it's a great example. And, you know, I think it's a good thing that every time you eat that you thank God for the food that you eat. I also think it's a good thing not to get in such a ritual of it that it means nothing. Because we do that as well. God bless the food. Amen. That's real meaningful, right? We did it. We said grace before we, we said it. Should be a, there should be some meaning behind it. I don't, wanna, I don't ever want to pray empty, vain prayers to God. We can talk more about that another time as well. But as we think about the truth, not the tension, we think about this letter A, that this meal would satisfy these people till they were hungry again. How many of you have ever eaten so much, you're like, I'm not going to eat again till tomorrow? And then two hours later, hmm, I wonder what's in the fridge. What's in the cabinet right now? Ever been there? Yeah, we, we all live there, right? Oh, I'm so full, I could never eat again. And then you're snacking a couple hours later. You've got to understand, this meal that Jesus fed them with these five loaves and these two fishes, it was, they were filled, they were satisfied for a little bit of time, but they were going to be hungry again. Which leads to the truth that he taught them through this miracle, which is letter B, that a relationship with Christ by faith brings eternal satisfaction. The book of John goes into much greater detail about what happens after the feeding of the 5,000. The Bible tells us in John chapter number 6, verse 32 through 35, Jesus saith unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. And they said to him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. 
He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. And John chapter 6, the end of this passage right here, think about this, all these people saw Jesus get on a boat, and all these people have seen all the things that Jesus has done, and they follow him, and they're sitting there just waiting to feast on whatever he's going to say. And what does Jesus do? He cares about these people, he has compassion on these people, feeds them, he takes care of them, and he teaches them the lesson that they need. As sheep with no shepherd, this is what they needed. He tells them this, and in John chapter 6, many of them quit following him that day. That huge crowd of people left that day because they couldn't understand this, that he was the bread of life. This is when Jesus looked and said, are you going to leave two to the disciples? And what does Peter say? Where shall we go? Who else has the words of life? He spoke the truth. He didn't worry about the tension. This world will not understand the truth. But this world needs the truth. And the truth is, everything that man tries to satisfy his soul will never bring happiness. You look at people, how they live today. You have people, money brings, money does not bring you happiness. You cannot buy happiness. The more money you have, the more miserable you are. Look at the people who win the lottery and ask them how happy they are after years after they've won the lottery. It might make them happy for a moment, but their lives are miserable. And people will buy, people will try all these things in life to try and find satisfaction. But what happens is you can buy a new car, but the next week it gets a scratch on the side and it's not new anymore. Or a kid throws up in the back seat and it's not new anymore. Whatever the case may be, they eat their McDonald's in the back seat and there's a burger back there for a week. I don't know. It ruins it. <laughs> True story right there. Anyways, we'll leave that one alone. Children. When you get in your minivan, you're like, something just doesn't smell right. You need to make sure your kids throw their trash away. Things don't bring happiness. But I can tell you this morning, he satisfies. He is the only one who satisfies. You go eat lunch this morning or this afternoon, you're going to want dinner tonight. But you come to Jesus Christ... You don't need anything else. You're going to be satisfied. You drink water and you go outside and do some work in the heat, you're going to be thirsty again. Oh, but you come to the one with living water, you will never thirst again. The good shepherd was teaching the sheep what they needed, but they didn't want to receive it. But he was willing to speak the truth because that's what they needed. And this world today, though it may cause tension, Though people might not like it, the truth is still the truth. And Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, he's the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by him. Say, Pastor, that's narrow-minded. It's Bible-minded. And it, it technically is narrow-minded, right? Because broad's the way that leads to destruction. So technically it is narrow-minded, but it follows this book. And it's the truth. It caused tension and many people left. But he gave them what they needed. If we could just see this world the way Jesus sees it. 
if we could change our perspective. Every morning when I get up and I look in the mirror at this beautiful face, I knew I'd get a lot of laughs in the room. Bridget, that's enough, okay? Bridget's laughing more than anybody. With your glasses, you can see how beautiful this face is. When I look in the mirror in the morning, I say, Lord, help me to see things the way you see them. Help me see people the way you see them. Change my perspective. Because naturally, for me, I can be negative on things. That's just me. That, and that's not a good thing. I need to have a heavenly perspective of things. And the disciples learned some valuable lessons right here. And there's so many more lessons that we get into. But if you could just pick up on this morning that Jesus saw the people and not the problem, that would help us as we minister to people today. If we could see that Jesus saw opportunities instead of obstacles, and there are obstacles everywhere. If you're doing something for God, trying to live for God, there's an obstacle. And sometimes multiple obstacles. Sometimes you can't even see the path that you're supposed to be going on because there's too many obstacles in the way. If we can get a hold of this thing that God sees the quality and not the quantity. And then if we get a hold of this thing that God sees the truth, not the tension. Because people need the truth. And if they don't want the truth, they can reject it. But they need to hear the truth. They, people don't like the truth. People can't handle the truth. But as you look at those things, if we could just see things the way Jesus does, it would change our ministry, change our perspective, change our church, change everything we do for him. You see, his perspective doesn't ignore problems or obstacles along the way but sees those obstacles as a way for God to do something. Like the past few weeks, we've had some obstacles after Vacation Bible School. It was the best Vacation Bible School we've had in 10 years. I'm confident that God's going to take the obstacles that have happened the past few weeks, and he's going to make something even better out of it. I'm just waiting to see him work. There was a little, there was an offering at a church. We're passing the plates around. And this little boy wanted to give for the special project, but he had no money. Miles and this bo little boy was just trying to figure out what he could do. And so the offering plate comes near him. The little boy asked the usher to lower the plate just a little bit. I don't know if the usher thought he was going to steal the money out of the plate or what was going to happen. But the little boy says, um, here, just put it on the floor. What did the little boy do? He stood in the plate. He gave, but he took to the Lord. Just like that lad gave those five loaves and two fishes, you give God all that you can, and he will use it for his glory. You might not think it's much, but it doesn't matter if it's much, because with him it's all that's needed. Let's get our eyes on the Lord, change our perspective of things. Father, we